I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining us today for Let's Get Moving. With me is Dr. Liz Hale. She's a marriage and family therapist. And today we're going to talk about getting out of the roommate rut. Liz, you're saying it uh, should be one of our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> the goal for 22 is to be a better you in the marriage or really whatever relationship we're talking about. So it's, you know, it's it's really common, Maria, for many marriages to get into that roommate rut, you know, where it's grown stale a little bit, we're disconnected, a little passionless, and we look at our partner and just say, hmm, is this all there is? You know, right? Is this what I signed up for? But we got to that passionate-less place by living unintentionally. So we're going to do things differently this year. Roommate to lover. I have a colleague, actually, Marie, who Mm -hmm. takes it very literally, and I believe it or not, when she introduces her husband to someone new, Mm -hmm. she never says, I want you to meet my husband. She says, oh, and this is my lover, my lover Ken. I want you to meet him. (laughs) So good for her. Right. That may not be for everyone, but in myself. That makes me a little nervous. Yeah, my husband is man of my dreams. Uncomfortable, that's the word. (laughs) My husband is man of my dreams in the cell phone. So people, if I were to ever share his number, would see that, you know, but I see it every time I look down also when he calls. It makes me kind of smile. It's like, yes, that's right. And I need to continue to treat him as if he is the man of my dreams. What do you think happens? Do we just get too busy and we're not paying attention to those things that are really important? Oh, I I think so. I think we take each other for granted. We stop living with that primary focus that I'm really here for this partner. I think we fail also to ask ourselves this one primary question to the person, the man in the mirror, is would you like to be married to you? Just think about that for a minute. Would you like to be married to you? Liz, would you like to be married to you? And some days I could say absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what would I like to see instead? You know, I think all of us need to be, number one, more accountable. Right. What is the responsibility of my current roommate rut status in my own marriage? Oh, that's, it's a big one about, because we are accountable. We should be we, held accountable. Oh, oh, we are. To that one person in particular, that's where our vows were. The hardest part about marriage is it requires us to bring our best selves to some of life's worst situations. When you think about it, right? We go through a ton of highs and lows in a life cycle. And much of that life cycle is married for many people. I just saw and, highs and lows pass before my eyes there, Liz. I mean, you're, you're so right there. You have those super highs and those super lows, but we're talking really about the middle ground and uh, uh, still keeping that passion alive when you're, you know, when everything's okay. Mm-hmm. 
the best of us in the worst of situations. Ah, that's not easy to do. You know, the brain is interesting. It's not wired for marriage. Did you know that? I didn't. It's, it's wired for safety and protection, not uh-huh. for closeness. So it's like marriage is asking us to meet these two primary needs, safety, being alone. In other words, I can trust myself and closeness on the other side. That's, that's pretty tr- tricky to accomplish, but that's what we're asked to do. We really have to go against that grain, that part of the brain where the amygdala is on fire and says, you're not safe. Don't, don't be a fool. Don't trust. Remember what happened last time when you believed him or her? So we going back to roommate to lover, how do we do that? And the roots of our relationship really are friendship. I know you and Bob have just a great friendship. We just have have so much in common, first of all. What's that? We just have so much in common, first of all, that we enjoy doing together. Isn't that great? And you are really good friends. I mean, I've seen that in action. Um, You've promised to love, honor, cherish, and I think you really take that to heart. So there's three, three points I'd love to present to our listeners, all right? Okay. It's uh, three statements of I know you, I like you, I trust you. So these are the areas, of, again, of getting out of roommate rut. You know, for the first one, I know you. Uh, we've often heard to know me is to love me, right? That's mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm. So make a goal of asking your partner one open-ended question every day, every day this year. And it's easy to get some conversation starters. There's some great apps like the Gottman Card Deck. There's Intimately Us for Couples. That was created by a married couple, Dan and Emily Purcell. I'm so impressed with that. Mm-hmm. It's a red app with a, a red heart, rather, with us in the middle. This is a couple, Dan and Emily, a local couple who uh, had six kids and um, Christian couple. But they were at a crossroads in their marriage. He wanted more sexual intimacy, and she was fine with just kind of the basics and every now and then, or something along those lines. Don't quote me on that, but that's the impression I get <laughs> okay. from, their, from their feedback on their app. And they really dove in. They decided, you know what, we want to have so much more fun in life. So they dove into sexual intimacy, sexual health, being able to have those difficult conversations. I I once had a a supervisor who said, if couples can't talk about sex, they ought not be doing it. (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah, we have a hard time talking about such intimate things, and we need to make them more comfortable. So with I know you, we could think of it in the literal biblical sense, right? I know you. Mm -hmm. You could ask each other questions. I love this. Um, This came from the Intimately Us app is, what rule do you want to outlaw in our marriage? What's one thing I could do to improve the marriage? How am I easy to live with, and how am I hard to live with? I love that one. Yeah, I might know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> we probably do, right? And we might be surprised, too. We might. When it comes to intimacy, ignorance is not bliss, and, and friendship is not bliss. We really, we, in other words, um, ignorance is not bliss and friendship. We really need to know each other. John Gottman calls it the love maps, really getting to know your partner. And we're changing all the time, right? You and I right. are not the same as we were 10 years ago. I don't think so. Our preferences change. Well, it's interesting, you know, um, with with the Purcells and their cool app of Intimately Us, they started out in the bedroom. Not every couple I work with starts out working on their sexual intimacy, but they did, and it grew on fire. It grew by leaps and bounds. And as their relationship grew as a whole, so they became better parents as well. Dan enjoyed his work better. That improved. Everything in life just became a little bit better. So they're, they have a sexploration list 
exploration, hmm. um, connecting emotionally, spiritually, transitioning from mommy and daddy, right, or work mode to more intimate mode and more positive touch mode. So it's, it's quite fun. There's a plethora of information. I think the most important thing we, can't, we must do, Maria, is mm-hmm. never let our foot off the gas. Right. I think we have to recognize, wow, we are kind of like in a hmm, blasé-faire connection and relationship right now. What can, what can I do differently today that would change that? Then the next one, so that's I know you. Now the okay. next one is I like you. Mm-hmm. It's a fondness and admiration system. That's what all the marital research is about. It's a numbers game. It's 1 to 20, if you were to think about 1 to 20 ratio in everyday living and conversations. Okay. For every one little relationship hiccup or withdrawal or misunderstanding, we have to have 20 positives to recover. Oh. 1 to 20, that's a lot, isn't it? That is. So it's saying things of <clears throat> what you admire in the other, or it's a soft touch, or it's a, an apology like, oh, I really blew that, can I have a do-over? Uh, it's It's really stockpiling some of those things that you can go to to recover from that one. When we're in conflict, it's one to five, according to John Gottman. But everyday living, the marriage masters are mm-hmm. one to 20. One to 20. Marriage disasters or people are headed for divorce are about one for one. I need to work harder, though. One for 20. We all do. Ooh. And I think it's really common to sometimes feel, you feel like throwing up your hands and you say, but I don't really like him. I don't like him. Right? Well, I never feel that, that way. <laughs> assuming that we married a good human being, we have uh, more control over liking our partner than we realize. And to me, that's the really good news. Our research shows that our relationship is not nearly as bad as we sometimes think it is. Hmm. In other words, we oftentimes miss the good in our partner. <clears throat> we miss their bids for connection. We miss the good things that they do. We miss how they do show us they love us. Because, again, remember the brain? It's not built for marriage. It's built for Mm. safety. It's built for criticism. It's built to see what's wrong because it wants to protect you. Yeah, it sounds like it's built on focusing on the negative. (laughs) It it very much is. So we really do need to get rose-colored glasses on. Now, not not the kind of glasses that distort, but really that help you view your partner more accurately, who they really are. So if I am left to my own vision, I'm going to see the worst in an environment. I'm going to scan the room and look for what's wrong. Right. So making those bids for connection every single day helps us go from roommate rut to to lover. John Gottman's work is around the six-second kiss and the 10-second hug. Ah. And not just any old hug will do, but a full-on body hug, right? Right, absolutely. Every part and crevice of Our your Our hugs partner. are not all the same. Face it. <laughs> no, that's right. You are, this is the one person that you can have this kind of intimate connection with. So think about those ways that you can make bids for connection. You know, text your partner during the day. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Over dinner, say, oh, I, I, was dying. I couldn't wait to see you today. i got to tell you the funniest thing that happened at work or at home or at school. I like that. I like that in the middle of the day. We get so busy with work. Uh, we, yeah. I, I need to do that. I really like that idea. And Or even just smile at the end when we see each other the other day, right. right? We forget to even smile and look up. Don't pass by each other without a touch or a kind word. And when your partner reaches for your hand, let them take it. Mm-hmm. Accept those bids for connection. Never reject your partner or those bids. By the way, they're one and the same. You reject their bids, it feels like you're rejecting them. Right. Ugh. For question. sure. So that's I know you, I like you. Another third one is I trust you. 
Now, this, this sounds like one. the most difficult, right? It <laughs> is most difficult. Say. Why, again? Because for starters, our brain is built for safety, not for connection. This is where anxiety management really comes to play, Maria. Mm-hmm. We're never more vulnerable than we are in the depths of being exposed. Right. And seen and known. And when are we most seen and known in our intimate relationships? That's where the rubber meets the road mm-hmm. is in marriage, right? So many people will say, but at work, people like me. You know, my friends like me. <laughs> Why does everything go to heck in handbasket when I go home? That's where the rubber meets the road. Right. Again, our brains are not wired for intimacy. It's funny, you know what, think about being at home when a smoke detector goes off. When the smoke detector goes off, is there always a fire? Is it always a 911 emergency? No. It's not, right? <laughs> Usually it's been baking bacon. Uh, right. Or the <laughs> battery's so gone dead or something. And that's the right. Detector. The battery's gone dead. That's right. So that's a really good point that just because my heart might be beating or my head's going, oh, my gosh, what's he doing? And can I trust him? Can I trust her? It doesn't mean that it's correct. And trust can be rebuilt when it's broken. Which is important to know. It is important to know. And it's built on the tiny things consistently over long periods of time. It's putting down the phone when you see each other. It's like, oh, look, your eyes really, they're beautiful brown. I haven't looked at your (laughs) eyes for a long time. (laughs) Again, it's smiling when they walk into the room. It's laughing at their silly joke, even though you've heard it for umpteen times. It's commenting on the things you admire about them, their achievements. It's telling them how much you love being with them. It's hiding a little note or a treat. It's snuggling up to them and spooning before you fall asleep. Right. (laughs) One of my um, dear colleagues, Nate Bagley, he actually makes a list of five things he does every day in his marriage, and he checks them off. And one is his wife really loves it when he kind of pushes her up against the wall and kisses her madly. For six seconds, she loves that. Oh, I think that's pretty You've adorable. Got to find that adorable thing that your your spouse loves. That's right, and we need we need our spouse's input, right? What would make you feel more loved every day? And then do those activities that strengthen your relationship and manage your anxiety and make you feel like lovers again instead of roommates. It's not a quick fix, right, or easy, right? But it's tremendously effective by doing things day in and day out. You really have to hold yourself accountable. I know you. I like you. I trust you. Be intentional. Dr. Liz, I just love your advice. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Happy New Year to you and everyone. Happy New Year to you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, dear. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.